You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Boom. Happy holidays, y'all. My name is Doc Coyle, and this is the X-Men Podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. It is, it's the end of the year, guys. It's, uh, we're ending 2017, entering 2018. And me, I'm, I don't know if it's an OCD thing, but for some reason, the even-numbered years just feel, it just feels a little tighter, a little, you know, I don't know. So 2018 just sounds very futuristic. I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to it. I think for a lot of us this past year, you know, is, is in many ways colored by maybe a negative tenor. I think we're all, you know, I mean, you think about the, the, the beginning of this year and especially for Americans, the, the shadow of the election was really hanging over everything. The reality of this dude, Donald Trump being president, I think was hanging over a lot of us. And listen, I get it. I'm sure certain people might listen to the show are supporters. Um, and, and I, you know, even if I disagree with you, I, I do respect uh, people to have different opinions. So this is not some bashing uh, session, but you know, if you go back, you listen to the early, earlier episodes of this show from that part of the year. And it was, uh, a point of anxiety for myself. Um, even depression, I think for a, a good number of people and trying to kind of work through that, you know, I think was a, a big part of, uh, the early part of this year, that psychology of how kind of macro events affect your life day to day. And I think managing that has been like one of my biggest challenges, right? Because we're all so connected to events in a way that we weren't a few years ago. So I'll get up and read Twitter and it's like these 12 things happened (laughs) before noon and you kind of get your your nervous system kind of jacked up. And I think we've all, well, people who are, who are engaged in some, in some of this stuff um, are getting kind of jacked up and having their system be kind of hijacked in a way and managing that stress and, and learning how to deal with it. And for me, a, a big part of that has been kind of being able to sift through the signal and the noise, right? So when you have someone like, like Trump, 
um, whether you agree with him or not, um, his his style of sending like hyperbolic tweets and going off the rails that freaks out a lot of people. Some people are just just hate him so much that I think there is a level of kind of being blinded by that and getting wrapped up in that. And there's a discipline, I think, to being able to shut certain things off and knowing when to freak out and when not to freak out. And, you know, there's this idea of like Trump derangement uh, syndrome, I think, on the on the right. And I think if you were to back up many years, there was the Obama derangement syndrome that this one person is evil incarnate and the cause of X problems in your life and everyone's life. And that doesn't allow you to kind of see what's happening for what it is in an accurate sense. So I would caution those um, who do, who don't, who don't like the president, um, you know, to kind of temper some, some of those, those urges to kind of get too wrapped up into it because it is very unhealthy. So that's that's something I've I've done and, and try and see when, hey, the dude says some crazy stuff. And sometimes you have to understand, even though there's that trope of this is not normal. Hashtag this is not normal. But guess what? That's not, not the way the world works. There's a concept called the new normal. And this is the new normal. And at a certain point, you just have to deal with it. It doesn't mean sit on your butt and take things you don't like. I think, if anything, the the really great silver lining about this period in time is that more people are engaged, more people are paying attention to, you know, people are actually starting to learn how politics or at least national politics work in this country. And even that's even filtering down, you know, when you come to like things like gerrymandering, people are starting to see, oh, it actually matters who's in my state legislature and oh, how do laws come about and how are laws challenged and how do executive orders work? I think uh, someone like Trump, who is a pop culture figure, um, brings people who are not necessarily politically activated into the process. And ultimately, you know, if, if we don't end up in some crazy nuclear war or there's some uh, real uh, devolution of, of our of our institutions and if we survive this, I think it will act, we will come out the stronger for it. And that's not just me bullshitting. It's actually what I what I believe. So so I think that that really did uh, has colored so much of the year and will kind of be in the background or foreground for a lot of people for kind of the next few years to come. And it's a it kind of sucks. But um, as I said, it is the new normal. And as much as I could talk about politics all day, a lot of, of other great things happened this year. And that's really for me at the end of a year is really taking time to 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 be grateful and think about all that 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 I've done cuz I'm the type of person where I always feel like I'm behind the ball like I'm procrastinating like I'm not getting enough enough done and you know when you kind of look at it in the in the in the big picture like wow man I I I did make a lot of progress this year so some of the th- big highlights was for me getting to go on tour filling in for darkest hour that was incredible for me their music is incredible they're great great guys and uh anytime you get the opportunity like that to play with a great band and especially 
I was doing a lot of lead guitar, so it was an opportunity for me to get better as a musician. And every time you're kind of thrown into a situation like that, like I didn't really get to rehearse with them, you know, that stuff that's that kind of throws you off balance and creates a new challenge. Uh, that's always great as a human being. So that was really uh, a big accomplishment for me this year. I got to do shows with Vegas Nerve. I did started in January, did some shows and then in California. And then we did some shows on the East Coast over the summer. And I'll be honest, the whole process with that kind of wore me out uh, because with that band, it's there's no record label, there's no manager. Um, I'm kind of the most experienced person, so a lot of the responsibilities end up in my court. So that was very draining, but uh, ultimately gratifying because I love just being independent. And you know, you can't sit around just wait for the call. Like sometimes you get a band like Darkest Hour to give you a call, but sometimes that call doesn't come, and you have to be engaged. So you know, more likely stuff with uh, Vegas Nerve will kind of be a little quiet this year as like Bad Wolves has taken off, but that's something that hopefully when we all get some time and we get inspired, we'll we'll do some stuff down the line. Um, what else happened this year? Yeah, speaking of Bad Wolves, um, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you, you, you probably know my, my other band, Bad Wolves, got a record deal this year with 11.7, and we picked up a big management uh, situation with Zoltan from Five Finger Death Punch working with the band, and our record's coming out next year, and we're... That's basically what I've been working on the last couple months. I I joined the band kind of after a lot of the stuff had been done, but so I got to kind of put my um, touch on it. I did a few guitar solos, helped out with a little bit of songwriting uh, in terms of arrangement and vocal stuff. So it's kind of it's really been good to to get my my foot in there and put a little bit of my personality into that band. But it's you know things are gonna get crazy for that band next year in terms of being busy and great opportunities and and in many ways the the opportunities that have happened with bad wolves are the culmination of me moving to los angeles you know i had had a situation where when i left god forbid um and i didn't really know what i was going to do and i i had some other opportunities i got to work at the nba and I was like, you know, and at that point, I already decided to move to California. But the reason why I moved, um, because when I didn't know what I was going to do, when I wasn't making much money, I was trying to figure out how to pay my bills. I could have said, all right, I'll just get a regular day job. But I didn't. I said, you know what? I'm not done with this music thing. And I owe it to myself. And at the time, I was 33 years old. And that's pretty old to be moving out to L.A. to to try and uh, be a rocker. But I said, you know what? I don't have any children. I don't have a relationship. This was back when I was in New Jersey, uh, holding me, holding me back or anything, keeping me there a job. So I'm like, let let me try and do this this professional music thing um, again. Let me let me let me give it another shot and see if I can kind of make it. And I came out to L.A. in uh, summer 2014, and I just started playing with as many people as I could. To try and get a gig, get something, get you know, you know, maybe I can be a session guy, maybe I can be a fill-in guy, maybe who who knows? Um, join something original, and the way Bad Wolves happened was very much through like the back door, you know. Um, I I was touring with that band Mates Hall, and things slowed down. I was look I was just look, looking for something to do to stay busy, 
and um, kind of everything I was looking for in terms of from from a professional aspect of doing original music, it all kind of came together. So to have something happen and, and then you don't even realize, oh, I just totally achieved this goal <laughs> by accident. I think that's really amazing. And that's something you want to take, take that gratitude. And, and, I, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's not the end of the story. The goal hasn't been fully realized because we have to go out and do the work. We have to make fans. We have to make a living. Um, and that we're at the beginning of that. But we but the opportunities are incredible. And, and that's another thing to be really, really grateful for. Uh, I want to be grateful for um, my girlfriend, Jasmine. Um, you know, we've been dating for a while. And I, you know, I don't really talk too much about my relationships and stuff uh, on here. But, you know, um, if you have someone that, that loves you and is a great person in your life, you know, take a minute, say, Hey, thank you. You know, I'm very lucky, you know, and cause everyone doesn't get what they think they deserve. So I'm just, sometimes you gotta take those moments and think about what you have to be grateful for. And so, so I try and do that. And then, and the end of the year is the perfect time, I think to, to, to do that. And I'm not a new year's resolution type guy, but, um, you know, I, I definitely have some things I'm trying to work on in the new year. And, and it's more, it's never like, oh, I need to lose weight or I need to quit this thing. It's, it's, it's more about being a better person. And that's something I'm always kind of struggling with trying to be more present, more available, um, more generous. And that's something that's kind of like my main thing is how, how do I kind of be do do more for the people I I care about and kind of uh, affect the world in a in a positive way. Um, so uh, actually, kind of two more things. And I know this this intro is a, is a little long, but you know, it's, sometimes you gotta you gotta get it out. Um, I just want to shout out my guitar company ESP Guitars and my main man Tony Rouser over there, and also Chris Canella, who, who just left the company, uh, was my main man over there for a couple years. Um, they've been extremely generous, and I got a, I got a brand new ESP E27 string, and really I couldn't do what I'm doing without the support of a company like that. So, so you guys definitely check out ESP's new line. They have this really cool black metal, uh, really sim simple, Design black guitars coming out for 2018. They've really diversified their output. They have a lot of the new new guitars have different bridges and what, what's that one called the uh, Evertune. So they're they're really mixing up their stuff and and trying to provide st uh, a, a, a wide variety of kind of modern instrument stuff that really I think will appeal to not just. I think what they were known for is like being the Metallica guitars or kind of metal core guitars. So definitely check out the new ESP stuff in 2018. And another company I have to shout out is TuneTrack. That's T-O-O-N-T-R-A-C-K. And TuneTrack makes the software, drum software, uh, Easy Drummer and Superior Drummer. And they also have another program called Easy Mix as well. And if I were you, I'd head over to their website, TuneTrack. Dot com. Check out their products. If you're a songwriter, if you're a producer, this stuff is so easy to use. It sounds incredible. Um, you can pretty much drag and drop pre-made loops. It's, you know, for my songwriting, 
I, I don't even know how I would do what I could do without it. So I just want to give them a shout. They've been very, very generous with me and, and hooked me up with some stuff. And also the Easy Mix stuff, I use that even for this show. They have mastering stuff. They have, you know, so the, the Easy Mix, instead of having to go in there and mess with a million effects, they have all different kinds of, of preset mix uh, stuff. And that's for guitars, vocals, drums, any, anything you want. And even guys like producers we know that are uh, famous in the metal world, whether it's Mark Lewis or Colin Richardson or Forrester Savell, who mixed and mastered the Vegas Nerve record, they have their own signature packs and drum kit stuff. So it's they're very, very involved within the, the metal community. And so I got to give Bill Terrell at, at Toontrack a big shout out. I appreciate that. So I've been lucky. I've been blessed this year, and I just want to pay it forward. And and also the other big thing I didn't even talk about this year is, is this show. You know, uh, even though I started the show in 2016, it really kind of found its legs this year. And I'm hoping to get more guests. I have a big kind of wish list of people I want to talk to. If there's people you guys want me to uh, reach out to and get on the show, hit me up. I, I love getting suggestions because ultimately, if you guys aren't happy, then None of this really works. So that's the other thing to be uh, thankful for is is all the support from people checking out the show. And also, I got to give you know some uh, love to Jabberjaw, uh, Jabberjaw Media, and Mike over there, and everyone over there. They they've been really amazing. And also our sponsor Rockabilia.com. So you know I, this is a big big gratitude fest, but it's super important for me to to take time for that. So. Without further ado, I'm going to get into our conversation with my man, D.L., Daniel Laskowitz. But I don't call him that. I just call him D.L. He was the original guitar player and songwriter for the band Acacia Strain. And he also writes and records for another band called Legend. And the dude is just a straight badass. You know, he was he was like if you took me, but then made him handsomer and had more cool riffs, you know, and could headbang real hard. But he was always just a, a, a really, uh, he was a very big support, supporter of God Forbid. And I was just really impressed with his performance and just the way Acacia Strain developed their sound and, and built their fan base. He was one of those guys, and I knew he had left the band a while back, and he was kind of like a, a, a ghost member of the band for a while. And then he finally left and he's one of those guys that I, I really wanted to hear his story because I just didn't know what happened. So a lot of times I do these conversations and it's to kind of scratch my own itch for curiosity about what happens with these bands. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with my man, DL. So Believe it or not, you you were on on my list. There's a list. I'm like Santa Claus, you know. Except no hair, you know. I'm mad. I'm I'm mad selfish. You know what I'm saying? I don't give nothing to nobody. See, Santa Claus. No hell no. I don't right. want nothing either though. Doc Coyle, I, I keeps it all. I go. Yeah. I, I go shopping for me. But yeah, you 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 are on the list because, you know, your, I think your your situation is is extremely unique, in in just how the the kind of part you played in Acacia Stream. So we're going to I want I want to get into some of that, but before we do, I, you know, what's going on now? What are you what are you up to? Um oh my god, it's like so much random shit. Um 
I actually I've been writing for my own selfish uh, reasons. Like I have like two records that I wrote like by myself that I haven't done anything with yet. I'm just kind of that's the stuff you said. I don't know. I'm, yeah, yeah. What was that? Like that was like twenty twenty something songs right there or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just have a lot a lot of like random shit, and uh, I'm like kind of. I don't know, not touring, because I, I chose not to tour for, you know, a lot of the same reasons a lot of other people do, you know, when they're they're just, like, kind of still young and trying to make money, whatever, you know, got a family and shit, so it just didn't fit the lifestyle. So I'm still not, I'm, I'm not, you know, touring or anything, but I'm I'm kind of ghostwriting for that band, uh, that band Legend, they're on mm-hmm. Rise Records. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, we just put out a CD last year didn't play any shows in it i don't know just kind of like creating music for the love of creating music i don't just like putting all all the bullshit aside yeah let me ask you a question is it with legend is it lgnd or is it actually spelled out legend or is it both yeah it's it's spelled out legend because like uh i forget what the hell was the reason we did that because uh when you search for lgnd like it's like the first thing that comes up if you type in legend it's like it's such a mess of shit in like a search Mm. on like google if you type it type in legend on google it's not going to be a band that comes up it's going to be like sports heroes and shit and like weird shit like that so we just changed it so it'd be easier to find and more accessible yeah because i i looked up lgnd and it said and then the facebook page didn't nothing has been put up for like two years or something so if if i go to actual legend the actual word then all the new stuff will show up Mm, I don't even know. I, I have no idea. Honestly, oh, so you, I have no idea. So you're not really in that band. You're just kind of like in the background writing. Or I get. No, well, I guess I'm in it. Yeah, but like I played one show with them, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it's just it's not like a serious thing. We just me I, me and Chad like respect. I, dude, I love his voice. He's nasty as hell, and and he likes how I write. So like we figured it'd be a good good little matchup to make some music, and that's what. <laughs> excuse me, and that's what we've been doing. <laughs> By the way, for for those listening to this, DL is wearing, you know what I'm saying, one of the hardest 100 Demons hoodie. Is that a hoodie or is that a shirt? It's a hoodie. It's getting cold around here, man. You know what I'm saying? That shit, you you wear that shit. You still live in Massachusetts, Connecticut, where you live? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm in Worcester, Mass. See, you wear that that hoodie in the streets in in, in Mass, you you get mad respect. That's right. That's right. (laughs) All types of good shit comes your way. So, speaking of of massachusetts um i'm sure because you were one of those dudes where we would godfrey would go out and play fat cats in springfield all the time yep. going back to like 2000 2001 and you would we would just see you at the shows you know and you were like that dude who knew all the words be dancing and was like man that dude's mad cool so i didn't yep. really even know about acacia strain and that you were into it until you guys opened up for us there i think it was 2004 right Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-d.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. 
I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaking microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe to Grind podcast. Oh my God, I can't even remember. Probably. I'm the worst at remembering anything uh, show-wise. <laughs> but Because I was probably drunk. But it was a very pivotal moment for, for us. In that, that one show kind of it, it said a lot of things for us. So yeah. suddenly, I'll explain the <laughs> the setting. So okay, previously, like we would play Springfield, even like right around when Determination came out, and pr- all the bigger bands from there, with the exception of Shadows Fall, all opened up for us for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. It didn't even make sense to us. It was like, why is Killswitch opening up for us, and why is All That Remains opening up for us? But people seem to really be in, into the band. You know, what we were doing seemed to catch on in that area. And then, but so, but it always did well. But for some reason, as we were kind of blowing up nationally, that show, you guys played and people just went ape shit. You know, you know, saying punching motherfuckers right in the neck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Throwing motherfuckers through plate glass windows. <laughs> it was, you yeah. know, the shit it was just kind of ignorant. Yeah. And you, and, and I remember just for for me, you know, I, I think we were in that phase where we were kind of a metalcore band who was transitioning into just being a metal band. Yeah. And in a sense, what the metalcore scene was, you guys seem to be like that next level. Like like the you know, it's like the T the the T eight hundred, you guys are T one thousand just Oh shit. Oh. No no in terms of just like the heaviness, the yeah, yeah. The guitars were more tuned down. It was more like, I don't know to keep it real, but just in touch with like the streets, in touch with what was going on in the underground. Um, and so after you guys played, like 
half the place left or more than that. Like, you guys just crushed us. No way. No way. Swear to God. Swear to God. And, um, and listen, we were doing, that was probably the peak of the band, but I just remember that particular show was like, damn, this band, Acacia Stream, this shit, this shit's setting it off. So. Nice. Thanks, man. Thank (laughs) uh, you. No, no problem. But it, it, you know, in in a lot of ways it, it, you know, because we were going through this thing where. We were, in a way, trying to keep a foot in both worlds, right? Like, all right, kind of stay true to our roots. So we would play with a lot of bands in that scene, bands like, we did this one tour, it was It Dies Today, Caliban, and Full Blown Chaos, you know, just like... Dude, how good were tours? God damn. What a good good lineup. Well, right after, well, actually, a few months before we did that show with you guys, we did, it was only two weeks, and I wish this would have been a full U.S. tour. It It was our first, like legit headline tour even though all the bands were really carrying the weight it was us walls of jericho blood has been shed and i think full blown cast was on that too and so that, sick and that was just like two weeks around the northeast and every show was was killing it and not for nothing i mean walls of jericho was drawing a lot of people blood has been shed had at that time hasn't wasn't wasn't touring that much but um speaking of blood has been shed <laughs> Dude, it's so weird how like no how that never caught on, like to the point that it should have. Well, Dude, I mean, let's, well, let's let's, let's 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 give the people listening this uh, a little background. I'm sure some people know, but not everyone knows. Blood has been shed is the band that Howard Jones from Killswitch Engage was in before Killswitch, um, and yep. amongst our scene being you know us both being kind of northeast guys in that in that hardcore scene, they were like, as far as I was concerned, legendary. Um, Dude, totally. To me, for sure, yeah. And you can hear, you know, just they were one of those first bands that tuned down that low and was that brutal. And, um, you know, they were one of those first dudes where every dude in the band was mad big and diesel and looked like they, you know, worked construction. (laughs) And and no bullshit. And no bullshit. Like, the first time I seen them, oh, my God, I was probably, like, I was a kid, like... The first time I seen them was at Infinity in Springfield. It was a club Infinity in Springfield. And, like, dude, it wasn't even – first it was the heaviness. But, like, the second, like, I, why the – like, I didn't understand. Who's this fucking singer, dude, that's, like, dressed dressed up to the nines looking good, dude, and sounding like a beast? That, that <laughs> dude, well, the first time I seen Howard, I, I, I couldn't believe it, man. That, that shit blew my mind. He's such a sick singer. And like, uh, what was it? That six song CD they have it was like a, I don't know if it's an EP or what. Like the first shit. Yeah. With um, oh my god. I actually forgot the name of it. It was Songs of U- Urel or oh no, it was um. I know you. No 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 no. The second one's Novella, and the first one is um. I dwell like the, I dwell on thoughts of you or something like that. I dwell that. on thoughts of you. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, dude. That was still, that's still like, my favorite actually. The, the first. Dude, thing. I I wish they would like re remix and remaster that and put that out. That'd be those songs are so fucking good. Yeah, I think I liked about the first one was it was a lot more I think straightforward. Like they got a little mathier yep. and a little more yeah. kind of abstract on some of the. Later. I think I think at that time the bass player John was playing drums, so like I don't know there was, there was like more of like a bass player like kind of in the pocket feel on those first two records. Oh yeah, as opposed to when as opposed to when they got Justin from Killswitch and they started doing some like. Yeah. fucking thro- throwing dice on the ground to write breakdowns kind of shit like yeah I, I remember that and they were one of those bands i like how this this 
pod is turning into like a blood has been shed fucking uh, tribute. <laughs> blood has been shed dot com. <laughs> but uh, fan site. No, but like I remember the show that they got signed to Ferret Records. We were at, and if I ever get Howard on here, well, I'll I'll definitely have to have to bring this up. But it was in a basement in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and they like they had like full stacks. They, have, they it's like maybe they only had four cabinets, but in a basement, it seems like you have nine cabinets. <laughs> Oh you know, uh, yeah, they they always had like full VHT rig. Like it, it could be the smallest VFW or something. That shit just thumped so hard. Yeah, and then and then Corey, uh, the guitar player, wrote a lot most of this stuff. You know, he has forearms like Popeye, and he'd be like carrying two cabinets at one time, which I've still never seen to this day. <laughs> and he, and like and the way like the way he just moved on stage too. Like he, I don't know, his guitar was like. It was like he was holding like an actual axe because I think he was a lumberjack or something, and I, like it was like he was actually holding like a, a tool that he was gonna do work with when he was like playing those riffs, like That's you know nice. what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so considering that, when I listen to especially the early Acacia Strain, you know the two bands I think of when I when I listen to, to the band is um, Blood Has Been Shed, of course, but also Crowbar. Yeah, oh yeah, fuck those, yeah. So. Is that, another big influence for sure. That's definitely accurate. Yeah, no, that's another big influence of mine for sure. Yeah, but but in a way, I think one of the reasons why I think you guys kind of penetrated was, in a sense, because Blood Has Been Shed was not a full time band or super active. You know, your what you guys were doing felt that much more fresh because there was less kind of. You know, that influence was... It was the same thing with us. There was a band called For the Love Of from New Jersey that we yep. borrowed a lot of their sound, and they kind of dwindled down. And so we came out, and people were like, oh, you guys are so original. It's like, nah, we ain't that original, motherfucker. Oh, I, t- I tell people <laughs> that all the time. Like, yeah, you, you should be talking to, like, Corey Unger or something. <laughs> so in those early years, like, how did you guys end up getting with uh, Prosthetic? And uh, was... Like, how, how soon was, was Scott Lee managing you guys? Uh pretty early just because we all knew him from just like going to shows and stuff growing up in the western mass you know thing and yeah and he like he started helping us out from the beginning like the first couple shows we were playing he was helping us out from the beginning or and uh i don't know i forget when he like officially became the manager or whatever but um yeah i don't know he he always kind of like stuck by us helped us out tried to give us good shows and that definitely pushed us off a lot and uh you know from the prior stuff that he's people that he's worked with and everything he kind of hooked us up with uh ej from prosthetic and like from there on out i don't really know i i was so young you know at the beginning of the band when all like the prosthetic thing was going on i just didn't excuse me i didn't really give a shit about like any of that side of it i just kind of fucking van and plugged into some stacks and that's all i gave a shit about (laughs) let's go well, yeah. well, the thing that I think in 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 many ways about you guys, like I said before, is kind of like the next level of that of of whatever we were kind of coming out of, and bands like Unearth, and 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 I I have to imagine that being from Massachusetts, and you know the bands I mentioned, also Diecast, also Killswitch, you you had all this stuff going on. Um, yeah. You, I mean, how much was was that a factor into not only the sound, but just being inspired to say, hey, this can be a career. Hey, we can actually do some big things. I think, um, I don't know. I, I guess, like, when 
Adam helped us out on uh, our 3750 record, that was like a kind of big eye opener of like seeing how he does things and like he's a big influence on me too. Like I love Adam's playing. Like he he ended up being our friend and like a guy that I look up to in, in the studio and like just playing and just his mentality, dude. Like the whole keep it simple and like and what he taught us in the studio. It's it's like invaluable information dude like you couldn't go to school and learn anything like he's got he's i mean everybody knows how good he is they've heard his shit they've heard the stuff he produces like he's just has that like that mind like he and and it's it he makes it like look so easy um it could be like the stupidest little change but like he'll suggest it and you'll and like even if you're like kind of like married to your demo you have like demoitis or something like He'll suggest this change or whatever, and you do it, and then you're listening back, and you're like, "Holy fuck!" How it's like, how do we not think of that? Because it's it's so so obvious sometimes, and like just little things like that. He, he's 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 solid as fuck, dude. So seeing that guy work and like uh, what we were doing, what the hell? I think we were doing the Deadwalk record when they were doing the End of Heartache. Mm-hmm. So like we'd be finishing up a day with Adam. And like the kill switch guys would be coming in, um, and like stretching drum heads or like getting guitars ready or whatever. And they were tracking into parts. So it was just like a cool time because, dude, how legendary is that CD? You know, like yeah, I mean it's you can't it, fucking deny that. You know, it's like so just that time and it was just a, such a cool time in music for sure. Because you you look back on it now, you're like, dude, that CD was such a big deal. Like now, and you're just and I was like walking in and out of the studio with those guys every day i don't know it's like a, that kind of shit the the, the thing the things that have nothing to do with playing usually like motivate you to you know well, do well, some fucking music well i think it, uh, part of it has to do with being around greatness you mm-hmm. know it's, it's like that idea for of, sure of um i think i think you can make this comparison to sports as well like you want to play with better people just being around them makes you better because you almost it actually expands your idea of what of the limitations you put on yourself that you didn't realize were there and you're like yeah absolutely and you're like yep. no oh no it can actually be this this good this you know the songs can be this good the the playing can be this good and then you just by being in just general proximity to greatness then all of a sudden you're like all right maybe we can do this maybe we're not dude just- i'm just i'm just saying like to me like production wise and um like songwriting wise dude adam d is the fucking michael jordan of metal for sure dude (laughs) for sure dude you got him on your team you're gonna win bro for sure yeah i mean and and uh he's one of those guys and just kind of hearing you talk about it the, the also the work ethic of being able to produce a band during the day and then go and work on your record at night i mean the guy must have been pulling 16 18 hour days or something yeah, yeah, stupid shit. I don't think he sleeps. <laughs> uh, probably not. It didn't seem like it because I mean I can't imagine the the mental capacity from like recording retard like local young kids like us all day when we were at that time and then like doing your own fucking big record, big like sec- follow up record to Alive or Just Breathing. Like, dude, <laughs> yeah. how he got? How did he get through that? <laughs> I feel bad for him. <laughs> well, I mean, it it obviously paid paid off, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So, one of the interesting things as as well, kind of looking about what 
you guys were doing was there was also this kind of shift in the scene in general, right? So we were coming from the quote-unquote metalcore world, and then all of a sudden this whole thing that people are now calling deathcore was kind of coming out. And it's funny, I often see a Casey Strain under the term deathcore, but I don't necessarily hear that. I think the only thing is that you guys tune real low, and uh, Vincent's vocals were so, like, to me, he was like the first guy to really push the the depth level, you know? So that almost was on that um, balance between almost being death metal, but it was still, but just like a more guttural sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever feel like you guys were deathcore or anything like that, or? No, I I never understood that. Like, I, I get the term, I suppose, but like, Dude, there wasn't much death battle about the case of strain. Yeah, there still is. I mean, I, there never really was. I think what, maybe in the whole case of strain catalog, there's like two blast beats, maybe. <laughs> like maybe, you know, that's to me like death metal is just I don't know. A lot of blast beats, a lot of double bass. Like to us, we were we were just kind of like a really percussive band. Well, at least when I was in the band, I don't you know. Did you do the but, tour? You were on the tour we did with uh, Tape Read, right? That yeah, one with uh, uh, Evergreen well, Terrace and Terror? Yeah. You were you were yep, still touring with yep. the band then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that was, was a wicked good tour. That was 2007. And from what I remember from that was essentially you guys were on the come up. You know, that I don't, I mean, you tell me that must have been one of the bigger tours you had done at that yeah, time. That was, that, was, that was probably the time that we were like starting to. Um, get some good tours and stuff. Yeah, that's not, that seems about right. Well, it was a little. I, lo- I I love that tour. That was fun. Well, I think it was a little more than that. It was also, I was starting to see that. Whoa, you guys started having some big first week sales, and I imagine you guys were doing some headlining touring. And and there was, you know, every, I remember every one of those shows. It seemed like there was. A, a group of kids who are coming pretty much just to see you guys like like you were kind of representing this new wave of especially like i said it was a very young audience you know it was kind of yeah. speaking to a new set of heavy music fans almost in a in a in a cultural sense i mean did you did you feel that that kind of momentum of like oh shit like this is actually happening like we're becoming a real thing yeah for sure because like as that's happening, you know, time's going by and you're getting older and you got to like start paying bills or whatever you got to do at home. And like when you're being, you're, you're still doing the music, you're on the road and like you're starting to be able to actually pay those bills and stuff. That's cool. That's definitely like a weird feeling to like almost making it feel like it's your job. You, you hate to even call it a job because dude, touring not a fucking job. <laughs> it's, that ain't no fucking job. So, um, yeah, no, that's cool. It's a cool feeling. I don't know. Yeah, um, and also I, I kind of noticed, you know, pretty much for all these, I'll, I'll go back, whomever I'm talking to, and, and listen to the catalog and see the way the music has changed in Continent, which came out in 2008. To me, that's when, you know, even though the stuff before that was definitely very good, to me, that's when the band kind of hit a certain level. Like, okay, this is... Like each record just got like the sound, the, the sound meaning production got a little bit better. The the identity of the band became a lot more solidified on each record. Yeah. It's like this is a thing, a Casey Strain uh, does. Did you did you feel that on that record? 
I think well every every record that I did with that band like we we went into each CD doing like really calculated like knowing exactly what we wanted it to be like uh just from front to back like tempo wise and riff wise we just had like a certain I don't know I guess vision for each CD and um Continent was actually the first time that like we were we were kind of scared shitless almost because uh that was the first cd that we were gonna do like that people were actually listening to because you know we did that and life is a very long cd but like before we even really met anybody we were just kind of excuse me we were kind of just playing like locally whatever and um we 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 funded that first cd that like nobody's probably ever even heard (laughs) and now everybody's gonna fucking hear it (laughs) because i'm mentioning it but uh life is very long yeah, it's like a yellow CD or whatever. It wasn't. Yeah. It was on. Uh, what the hell? It was actually on Adams D's brother's label. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Devil's Head. Devil's Head. Yep. Remember? Remember Devil's Head? They they put out like the aftershock CDs and. Yeah, I I went back and listened to it because I didn't I didn't really know about it and it doesn't sound really doesn't even sound like the same band. No, exactly. So like, we went from that to like working with Adam, and like him kind of like helping us craft like. That's why, like, going back to him, like, that's another reason why he's good. Like, he saw what we wanted to do as individuals, even, like, every person that he worked with and, like, kind of helped us craft, like, what we wanted the band to be, which is crazy. And, like, we kind of, like, we carried that on from 3750 into Deadwalk and, like, just kind of made it, like, a more stepped-up version at Deadwalk. And then after Deadwalk, the plan was, I guess, you know, to go back with Adam because we did it for two records in a row and uh and he was like he wasn't available when we were ready to do continent which we didn't even have any music really written we had a little bit kind of written but we were just trying to figure out um who we were going to do the next record with and when we found out that we couldn't do it with him like we were like holy shit this is gonna we're like on our own now you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> so um at the time me our um our good friend and sound guy George Richter and the drummer Kevin, um, we like locked ourselves in our buddy, um, our buddy Enoch's studio. He he has a studio in like the middle of the woods in like uh, like Greenfield, Mass, or something like that. And um, we just like locked ourselves in the studio for like uh, it was it was months and months, dude, just completely isolated, like just getting fucked up, hanging out, writing. And we walked out of there with Continent, and uh, that was, like, the first time, like, we really didn't have a lot of help, you know, producing it. And then we just kind of had to figure out who to record it with, and we went with Zeus, you know, because he was another local guy. And when I was in the band, we liked, you know, kind of stay local, because that's, like, your downtime. You're doing your record, you want to be home and stuff. It's hard to, like, do a record and fly here or fly it to go somewhere else, you know. So we always wanted to stay local, so the next, you know next in line that for production and stuff that we loved was zoo so we went with him and he like captured like a more uh raw kind of sound on continent there's not really like samples on the drums or anything that's all like that's what you hear on yeah what you hear on that record is what we were playing you know it's not really fucking doctored too much so it was cool it was like a new it was a that was a, a complete like complete turn you know 90 degree turn from like where we were going you know did uh you see once that record came out did you see a noticeable difference from 
Because that was probably your first big, like... Uh, I think that was first our first week. charting, charting yeah, record. Yeah. So so you're having that type of success. I think you got... Did you do... Uh, was it Sounds the Underground or... Wagon yeah. Sound? Sounds the Underground. So you... Uh, it was us, Chimera, Gwar. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, it's harder. But it was that one. So did, so you did you really feel that impact of, of what that record did and kind of taking the men to the next level? I think we started taking it like very seriously at that point. Mm-hmm. Like like we kind of really dedicated ourselves to to it after that. You know, we were during Deadwalk and everything, but like you know, I think I think that's like when we knew we were going to do it for a long time or like try to try to do it as long as possible. Was that was that surprising considering how heavy the band is because it's not like you guys were like okay we're gonna make that radio single or we're gonna uh you know all right we're gonna start doing clean vocals like that's one thing pretty consistent from the beginning till till now even since since you've left is it's a hard band and it's not it's it's, gonna be heavy it's gonna be heavy no matter what yeah dude the day you see is singing clean singing on an acacia strain album i don't know man (laughs) that's like Yo, that ain't gonna work. I don't think you'll never see that. And is, you'll never see that. And is that a a kind of dedication from within, or is that kind of being, um, you know, loyal to the fan base and saying, "Hey, we want to make sure these people understand what we're gonna bring," or is that from you guys or both? Yeah, I I don't want to speak for anybody because you know I'm not in the band anymore, so I don't really know how they feel about it now. But I, I guess it would almost be like a loyalty to yourself because that's what you started off envisioning this band to be like you're you're basically uh, you're basically borrowing from like bands like blood has been shed that's when they start you know what i mean and you're but you they can't sang, go from, you can't they go saying no they did but they're different because they got howard yeah <laughs> so <laughs> they're they're you know <laughs> definitely definitely um, uh, yeah so that's I don't, you'll never you'll never see I, i'm like I said, I don't want to speak for anybody. Watch their next CDS clean singing all yeah. over. <laughs> well, but, well, well, that's a that's another thing too. When I when I listen to the band, and, and to me that differentiates it. And I think this this maybe it's it's a sense of, and this is you know kind of going back to what I was saying before about the the youth aspect is along with the vocal style. Vince has like I would say the most nihilistic and darkest lyrics like it's like this motherfucker hates the earth he hates people he hates oxygen this motherfucker hates mountains and birds and rainbows i'm like god damn man who pissed in your cereal yeah dude I, yeah i don't he, i get what the hell did he um I've, i think i've heard him say that like when he uh writes a lot of his lyrics like i, I don't know if he does this all the time but uh he used to um I heard him saying how he used to wake up like in the for for one of the records he used to wake up in the middle of the night like from a bad dream or something and like he had a, a notepad and like a pen next to his fucking on his nightstand or something and like he would wake up if he just had a nightmare and like he would write down like his nightmare and like he would take pieces of that and write like lyrics from it and shit like he did some weird shit it's cool though well I, th- I I don't know anybody that did that yeah I mean I think it it speaks to not only you know the kind of the the trend of the of the way extreme music goes because it doesn't seem like th- things just keep getting heavier and more extreme and tuning lower and the breakdowns right and, like, and the technology like just makes it sound dude i mean like just just production wise like 
technology is making everything slam so much harder and harder and harder. It's just, it's unbelievable, dude. I can't I can't believe it. Yeah, well, well, I'm just I, I guess what I, what I'm talking about is I think in 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 a sense the world just keeps changing, right? Yeah. And when it comes to a lyricist and who actually connects to what is going on with. A particular band, a particular artist, and you see this with, with with rappers, where sometimes a certain artist is kind of speaking more towards what people are feeling, and I and I feel like that thing, which which I personally didn't connect to, because I'm I'm not really I'm not that dark of a person or that nihilistic of a person, but it's maybe, not. Yeah, it's hard maybe, to be. Maybe if I'm 16 years old and it's 2010 or something, and I'm you know like when you look at what what people are dealing with, people were definitely connecting with that. You know, as far as yeah. I'm, as far as I'm, I'm saying, and you you see that around in in a lot of, you know, just just that that progression of how things just get more extreme and and harder. I don't know. It's just something that, that always uh, stood out to me, and I was like, damn, this shit. Like so, like honestly, like I love you, man, but I, I listen to like five songs on a Casey Chain record. I'm done, man. You know, yeah, so that's my shit it. Is, <laughs> the, the rest of the day won't be so good. Yeah, yeah I'm just it's, I'm it's, just sledgehammer. I'm like, god damn, help! I need a bandage. Help. And a sandwich, man, and some ice. Uh, Hell yeah, yeah. No, it, it's like well, I mean, it's pop. You know, the, you can you can attest that to like the lyrics kind of match the music, I guess, because the music's the same. It's just pummeling and like uh, it, it beats you up for sure after after a little bit. You know, you, have to, you definitely have to be in, in like a certain mood to listen to that shit. You know, I, but I guess some people, you know, I've I've had people tell me that they listen to it on on their happiest day ever and they listen to it on their worst day ever and like it i don't know it, it affects people different ways no doubt no doubt so yeah. uh around this time what when did you actually stop touring with the band uh man what was the last tour i did i think like it was like uh 2010 maybe yeah late 2009 2010 something like that so was that after wormwood came out yeah, I, I actually, um, I actually only played one eight-string show with them after Wormwood came out, and that's that was probably my last show with them. It was like a rock and shock at at the Palladium or something like that. By the way, Beast, that's the heart. That might be the hardest song of all time, of all yeah, time, I, all time. Uh, goddamn. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 if you, if you were, if your next question was gonna be. Uh, what's like the CD you're most proud of? Like just all around, I guess it would be Wormwood. Just because, like, sonically, that's my favorite. Sonically, that's my favorite fucking CD we've done. Yeah, I, I think, think Zeus, Zeus nailed like the the drum tones, and it it it's it sits where it should be. It's good. Well, I mean, I think I think sonically, uh, I think you guys also figured out where you know in in a sense things kind of simplified a little more you know it wasn't yeah. quite as all over the place there's a little more together and there's also you know you guys also have a really cool had a cool atmosphere like there was a, just that you know you know kind of talking about the the darkness of the lyrics but also just just little atmospheric things throughout everything it kind of puts you in a in a mind space and yeah that that record is definitely my my favorite record but, so what was the what was the whole deal with wanting to get off the road? Because I imagine either the band was really moving forward, or or had things plateaued. You just it wasn't really bringing the the kind of lifestyle you wanted. Pretty much, yeah. It, it kind of plateaued. I mean, for me, it did. I, you know, the band continued to go on. They're doing good now. You know, it's amazing. They're still 
doing what they're doing. And uh, but yeah, at, at that time for me, it kind of plateaued because um, uh, I was having my son at the time, and um, I don't know, you know, it just I was on the road for so long. Um, up until then, that like, you know, I, I talked to a lot of guys older than me, and like when they were on the road, um, I, I can't tell you how many times I would hear like, "Oh, I miss, I miss my daughter, or I miss my son, or something," or like, "I wish I could, I wish I could be there with them right now." It's like, I didn't want to be that, you know, I didn't want to go through that situation, so mm-hmm. I decided that like it'd probably be best for me to like continue doing music, you know. Like I do up until today, which I'm like very fortunate. You know, I'm happy about that. Um, but uh, and I wanted to stay home and you know take care of my kids because you don't get that time back. You know, yeah. I, I, like I, I hate I, I wouldn't I would hate to regret not like being in my my son or my daughter's life. Like up, you know what I mean? You know, I I had my father, and I think that's very important. So, um, I couldn't I couldn't justify, you know going on the road and and doing what we were doing at that time uh over you know raising my raising my my kids you know so that was the biggest that was like the biggest like all right i gotta i gotta chill out now um but it i'm i'm kind of happy it did because uh on top of being able to raise my kids i actually uh dove a lot more into the the mixing and like recording side of things because from the beginning like i think i think that was like the extra push i needed to um realize that that was like my true love because like even doing it with adam or doing it with zeus like i would always be just asking him like the annoying questions like what, what is it what is that what do you what do you <laughs> click in there what what are you doing there you know what i'm saying like so um yeah it, it kind of like solidified the fact that i like the the behind the scenes more than like because playing shows is amazing it's cool like you but like that feeling kind of get i don't know it gets stale after a while right you know i mean like well it's 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 funny because you are a performer you know you're not just some guy that's up there fucking you know looking at the uh you know looking at his damn converses you know you you feel it and i think you're you're the first dude i ever saw that you know could you know could snap a neck like doc coil you know what i'm saying no shit you know what i'm saying i was like yo he you know what i'm saying he, you know, you know, I, I see you, dog. I see you over there, <laughs> <laughs> bringing the thunder. You know, um, yep. so, so you, you, you know, so that's actually in a, in a sense for me surprising because uh, you were a, a standout performer um, and really Thanks. brought, you know, brought that that energy. So, so clearly there is, um, I guess, whether you have a talent for it or or not, you were you're more connected to to production. Right. And I mean, once you make your mind up, you can't change your own mind. Right. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, it gets, it depends on the kind of person you are, but me, I'm like, once I have like a plan and what I want to do, I, I just, I do it. So like the fact that I, um, already made that up, that decision up in my mind, I like, you know, I'm glad I did. It, it, it actually, it changed my ear a lot being able to like do recording now and I don't know it's it's a, it's a little different. So so is that your main thing? Is a, you've been a producer and worked on records since since then? Yep. Yeah, yep. pretty much. And like, you know, it, at the beginning it, it was just really random. I I was like happy and lucky to do records. And actually I did another record uh 2 years after I stopped touring with the Acacia Strain for Acacia Strain, you know, I did Death is the Only Mortal for them. Mm-hmm. Now that, that was actually one of the first records that like 
I was able to actually like do front to back and like be involved with the label and like like you know really do the whole like full length thing from front to back with them and it was cool it was fun eye opening experience and uh so yeah. how did they take uh the idea that so you were going to not be touring but you were still technically a member of the band Yeah yeah I think uh I was I was you know there I was on the roster for uh until 2012 what what the hell was it i think it was 2012 that we parted ways something like that so were they cool with that arrangement like were they did they respect your decision yeah yeah i think they were like super happy for me they they just i don't know you know it got to the point where and i can understand it you know especially because like whoever's doing the records you want to see like the band you know you don't you don't want to see like all right so back to sports like you don't want to see the subs, you know what I mean? Like you want to see the starters, you want to see the fucking, you want to see Tom Brady, you want to see your guys, you know what I'm saying? So like, <clears throat> um, I don't know, just it could, it, I guess you know, it could easily get disappointing for fans, like not getting what they're hearing on the record. So, well, I think like, it's we kind of like I think it's all about the presentation. I mean, if you have gr- some of the greatest records of all time, you know the the. You know, Thriller, Michael Jackson didn't write all those songs. He wrote, like, half of them, you know? Right, uh, right. And a lot of times you you look at bands like the Beach Boys and stuff on their records, they'd have session musicians play on the records. So you weren't... I, I think there's there's many ways to kind of slice it. It's just a matter yeah. of what a, a particular band's um, ethos is and, and how they want to present it. I think maybe in this genre, it's... It's a it's a little more, uh, it's not as customary. But you have the situation with Will Putney and uh, Fit for an Autopsy, where he's in the band and he writes and records, but he doesn't he doesn't tour with them, you know. I don't right. Think, I don't think well, I think I think in his situation, he's like a lot more. Uh, I mean, he's what like obviously he's much more like successful in in like the recording business and stuff, and like, uh, and I think he has more of like a reason to not be there. Like, I, you know, as much as much as you know that. My kids were the reason I stayed home. You know, I, I feel like they they probably felt that I could have like kept touring or whatever. But um, I don't know. You know, you got to make your decisions. You got to choose your paths. And and uh, like lately, you know, it, it's it's kind of pushed me into um, into like working with people that like I've wanted to work with for a long time. Like uh, right now, I'm helping. I'm uh, I'm writing riffs with with Ken and Buzz and stuff. To I'm helping out writing the uh, new on Earth record. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I got like I got, I don't know, it, it kind of um, seared its own its own course, and I'm kind of happy where like uh, where it's landing. Right on. Um, so, do you have your own studio? Yeah, it's it's like more of like a mixed mixed studio. I, uh, I like if I was gonna do live drums or something, I'd have to I'd have to go rent a spot, and we'd have to do that. Mm-hmm. But um. But yeah, yeah, it's a it's a home studio for sure. Right on. So you, so when you ultimately left a case of training for good, good was that your decision or was that like a was that their decision? Or was that a collective? It was kind of it was, it was kind of like a mutual mutual agreement. Like yeah, you, know, you know, it just started. You know, it start to, when it comes to that, it just starts like to get weird. Like when you're uh, doing promotional photos or something for like mm-hmm. the next record. Who's gonna be in the photo? The mm-hmm. guys that tour, or the or, you know what I mean? Like it gets weird. So I don't know. It's uh, it's like an open relationship. 
Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> weird, dude. Who's gonna cradle the balls and who's gonna? Oh, fucking... okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So so it it just got weird. Um, yeah, and so how, I mean, how 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 was that, man? Was that a tough situation? I mean, because obviously it was it was initially you were still part of it. It was still part of your life, and all of a sudden this thing that you had been working on and been a big piece of your identity is now now the 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 split was final. I mean, how yeah, how, yeah. How, how was that? You know, emotionally. I was kind of weird because um, you just, you dedicated so much and like you. You kind of you're kind of married to the idea that like you're gonna live with these guys on the road and do do that shit. And, um, it was it was that's why I said earlier that tonight is my my Sunday because like it's weird when you get dumped out of like the touring situation and you got to go find a job and like you got to work and like you're I don't it's what a what a different life it is like working and having kids and like still trying to fit the music in like luckily I I work. I work uh, a shift to where, like, it allows me to come home and, like, you know, have my have my alone time and, like, do my mixing and do my work and and still, like, not disturb anybody. And, yeah, it's 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 different, dude. It's what a different realm. Hey, man, I've I haven't toured regularly in in some years and I'm, I'm about to basically get back on that that horse next year with with, with- so sick. You know, but um, so I I know all all about that. But you know, I was in a different scenario where, you know, I I decided not to go down and kind of um, pursue a more traditional domestic life, and I kind of kept myself in the realm where I could keep working on music and kind of live low, low to the ground. And and because you know that's just where my mindset was. And I I think doing this show and getting to talk to so many people like like you uh there's you know there are kind of unlimited paths that people can take and do take you know it's just yep. it's just a matter of what um you know i mean that that whole thing of like following your head following your gut following your heart um yep. trial and error right sometimes people try certain things and that's the only way you learn yeah is by fu- is by fucking up making the wrong decision and fucking up or making the right decision and like and prospering, thriving from it, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so, so you're going through all this, and so now it's been a few years. How did you end up getting involved with this band, Legend? Um, I honestly, I think I was talking to my friend, and we were like brainstorming um, who would be a good singer or something, something like that. I don't, know if, I don't even remember, but like I remember, you know, I knew Chad, and like his name came up somehow, and. And I just got in t- I got in touch with him, and I was like, "Hey, you want to like, um, you want to sing on like a I don't know, I'll do like a single or something. Just put just put music out. Like, hey, two dudes just putting music out. We don't even have to fucking name it anything. Whatever you want to do, like, just sing on my shit because your voice is nasty, <laughs> and I think it'd be it would be good over my riffs. And uh, and like he kind of came back and he was like, "Well, I mean, since we're gonna be working together, he was he was glad to do it, whatever. And like he was like, since we'll be working together, whatever." Um, why don't you just write the next legend record because we want to write a new legend record anyway. And I guess, you know, what they've done in the past was sort of like in the vein of what Acacia strain or like what I might do, whatever. And, um, so I was like, all right, yeah, let's fucking just slap legend on it. I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we, we weren't very calculated on that one. Like that's me and Chad always talk about it to where like, that was our, like, 
just dipping our toes in the water cd just to test like how we would work together and how these songs like what we really want to do it's like starting over all over again you know like i would i would love to i would love to go i i miss playing shows i would love to play a show tomorrow but uh it's so it, dude it's so weird starting over starting all over again and and uh well i mean so so legend they were already a band before you started writing stuff for them you're right. Yep. They okay. had like two two records out. Where are they based? And, and they're a Michigan based band. Okay. okay. And uh Chad's uh, other band is For the Fallen Dreams, which is also on Rise Records. Mm -hmm. And um Yeah, I mean he, that's like his active that's his active touring band is for the Fallen Dreams. Okay. So like Le Legend is kind of just like a it's like a brand almost. Like we just kind of just do it with like the intention of just writing music that we like to like we like listen to our own shit you know what i mean like i don't give a shit if anybody even listens to it like i a lot of times like i'll get tracks back from chad because essentially like usually the how we do it is i'll write the songs front to back and i'll give it to chad and like he'll spend some time with it and he'll go um he'll go with his guy in the studio and like he'll get some tracks down um and send them back to me and i'll mix them i'll put them in the mix and uh and dude, I'm like a I'm like a fan of his. Like when I get vocal tracks back from him, I'm like laughing at how sick he sounds. He just <laughs> sounds he, he just sounds so pissed and like uh, he sounds like he sounds like Corey Taylor like the best Corey Taylor years, but like on steroids sometimes. Like he just he sounds so pissed. So and then he sings and then he has singing parts as well, right? No, I do all the clean singing. Oh, you do the clean singing. All right. Yeah, so, we do the, the good cop, bad cop, you know? So how is it now kind of writing for a band where you have that opportunity to kind of write for, you know, for, for those kind of platforms? Like how, how much different is that than just doing straight up punch you in the dick <laughs> for three it's, minutes? It's, it's hard. It's a lot harder to, to be a songwriter than to just like put your aggression into music, you know? So it's but it's in a, in a okay in some ways it's harder and in some ways it's easier yeah right you can you, well you can you can rely more on a formula per se right it's more formulaic to. yeah for sure um it, but i but which, I, which which i mean usually you tend to because like you're you're trained to like if you like if you like radio music or if you like what if if you like radio music you're kind of trained to that formula that i i don't know i i really i love like seven dust is one of my favorite bands and even though they're like kind of they've always kind of been on like the the fence of like almost not radio like you know metal side of things but like they're they're a radio band and uh and that's like one of my favorite bands ever i i love that shit it takes i don't know i think it takes a lot to be i think it takes a lot more to be a songwriter than it does to be like somebody that just plays breakdowns or whatever you know so well that's kind of interesting you you put it that way so by that rationale is writing for a casey strain is that you don't consider that pure songwriting that's more like part writing or more riff writing I, that's like a different beat i don't know I, anytime i would write for a casey strain i would just be thinking of heavy metal like just just write metal like mm -hmm. stuff that just sounds metallic like especially when it got to like wormwood and stuff like I just wanted it to like have the sonic character of like just metal, like mm -hmm. everything really punchy, snappy, that huge, that huge snare, you know. 
That's interesting. Kind of, kind of almost going with a, you know, it's like the way you even say, say that, it just reminds me of of percussion, of hitting, of, of you know, that yeah. just, just that, that actual, you know, the, the power that comes from two things smashing each other. Yeah, yeah, like a <laughs> hydraulic it. press. Just yeah. Like- so that's, that's yeah, no that's sure. I, I think that's I think that's that that's cool because it gets to the core of where the kind of creativity comes from which is a feeling and a vibe and a and a and, a, and an emotion you know instead of like you know it's not you know I think that's you know that's why you are you is that you can actually connect those two things and, and come up with something that you know and it feels genuine you know well, I, I, yeah I like that's it. I mean that's another big reason why I started playing the eight strings. Because when I first played an A string, like, because I, I, I kind of like, I kind of steered a little bit away from that because you know I like to switch it up, whatever. But um, when I was using the A strings, when I first plugged one in, like, it, that is exactly like you said. Like instead of instead of just playing guitar, you like feel what you're playing. Like it really, it like it moves your chest. Like if you're standing in front of a cab and you're playing like the riffs on Wormwood, um in that tuning like it just like moves your like ribs like dude it, it's just so meaty and that's what like made me love it so i and it's funny because i've never done from the beginning of acacia strain to like after to through legend like i've never really consistently kept a tuning twice in a row mm-hmm. on, on two consecutive albums i've never i've always like switched my tuning switched like my setup of what i'm gonna do just to kind of keep it fresh and like kind of motivate my myself to write differently each record um and that's why i that's actually the first time i used the tune same tuning two times in a row was between wormwood and death is the only mortal and those are the two of the a string records that i did for them so like that just like kind of solidifies the fact that like i loved that setup with the a strings It, it was perfect I didn't even know it was it was eight eight strings, but because uh, didn't you used to use tune super low with a six? I did. Um, uh, Thirty seven fifty was A sharp, drop A sharp. Excuse me. Um, Deadwalk was drop G sharp. Uh, Continent was drop A. Wormwood was F on eight strings, and so was Death is the Only Mortal, and that was the last record I did with them heavy dude too much <laughs> hey man too much i'm an i'm in a low tuned ass band now too so i can uh, i can join join the parade i mean but i think that's a a big kind of marker in in the difference between the the kind of generations is obviously the new newer bands and young people are kind of accustomed to hearing though that that low end and in and in a sense the the mid rangeness of we we think of guitars as you know if you're thinking of ACDC or like Foo Fighters, is right? Like I Marshall, think, yeah, to, Marshall and like a Fender. To young kids, it actually it sounds like old people music, like <laughs> because because think about it because all the new hip hop, EDM, it's all low end and there's almost mid range. Shit. 2017 2018 shit just slams dude (laughs) everything and 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 people are kind of i mean for me it kind of bums me out because i'm you know my my favorite shit is metallica and megadeth and it's all to the e and and it's in and it's kind of a shame that you know people look at it through that prism of of being 
kind of outdated and i guess it it is what it is but in a sense you guys were ahead of the curve on that and really pushed uh the way heavy music and i, and I would say and i would and obviously before that we have to say Meshuga was that band that that really took the guitar and turned right. it into a percussion instrument right and i mean you you any band should owe it to their to their um you know the the bands that they look up to and and it was it was a collective like it was a collective of the band coming up that like of all the bands we liked you know we liked we all liked uh, Hatebreed we all liked Candiria we all liked Mashuga we all liked Crowbar like we all had the same kind of like bands that we looked up to and like we kind of want to just take everything that we liked and like make it a case of strain so that's what that's like what it was from the beginning and like i, I still kind of like keep up on that that mentality to where like if there's something that i like you know i i i, I look up to bands dude. I, I still look up to i listen to you know like the new Mashuga for you know there's it, they switch it up every right it, it keeps you motivated to switch it up and like do your thing no doubt so so what is the next uh thing for you i know you mentioned some solo stuff but what's is that the main thing you're pushing or is it more legend stuff or you more production what's um i already have a a legend record like written ready to go i'm just kind of waiting on chad um i think he has he's dropping a a new cd with for the fallen dreams and then he's going to get to work on a new legend so there's probably going to be a new legend in 2018 um and there's like a ton of things that like i'm actually working on but i i don't like i don't i don't know if i can even talk about it or what I, like i don't know if it's cool because like, i haven't talked to like the other people about it is this like a new a new project or something that just it's under under wraps a, a couple like things that i'm like just are in the talks and like um as far as like stuff that's already done that i know that i can talk about um i wrote a record with uh same as kind of the setup because that's just kind of what i've been doing you know working and doing my thing and writing music and getting with guys that i respect that write music and just to you know get it down and put it out because it's you like kind of have to do that nowadays you know like people want music faster and like they they want to turnover rates change so much um so i like figure that's that's how i'm gonna keep doing things just you know kind of meet up with guys that i've met along the road and guys that i respect and and just do music with them and uh and i i did that with um slim uh brendan and and mark from barrier dead um you know me and slim spent like over well over a year to getting together you know twice a week and we wrote a record and like uh you know it's untitled no names of anything yet you know we just have like a full so it's, 14 it's, 15. it's not a barrier dead record no no, it's like a completely different beast. And um, is there a singer? W- no, me and Slim actually just kind of took care of all the vocals. And um, there's, you know, there's a lot of, and that's kind of what the holdup was. We, um, we, we, shit, we wrote the CD. We wrote the CD in like end of 2013, 2014. So it's kind of been sitting around for a couple of years now, and we're still so proud of it. We don't really know what to do with it, and there's a lot of like holes. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of like there's some heavy parts and stuff and there 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 needs to be a guy like a, a good screamer and stuff but we just i don't know we we tried a couple guys on we really haven't like found who we want that like third voice to be on the record and so it kind of just held things up a little bit but that's done and like 
I just it's pre-production now, and like uh, I just need to redo everything. Um, but I mean, as far as that, we just need to finish up. So, are, do any of these other projects that you can't talk about yet? Is this any stuff that might bring you out on the road, or have you joined another band possibly? Or you can't say. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I I would say that if I could, but I have no idea. Like when I when an opportunity presents itself, I mean, you know, it, it, it all it's all circumstantial. So. I you know I could go on tour tomorrow with Slim and Mark, yeah. if some if somebody said that you know my family would be cool you know <laughs> like yeah. it, it all depends. So if like bring bring so, the Horizon call and say hey we want you to join our band we'll pay you a good amount of money you'd be like all right I'm open to that it's just yeah a- I, yeah I would do it for sure for just, sure I just it, I love playing live I miss playing live and I I think I could adapt to pretty much any any um. Uh, set up live or like any kind of circumstance whatever band it may be you know right on man well i think that's a good place to to wrap it up man uh you know i'm glad you're doing well i'm glad you're staying busy it sounds like you're like the uh the riff master you know motherfuckers need riffs it's like dial d 1-800-dl riffs (laughs) 1-800 ghost riff (laughs) you know and and um yeah it's, it's great to see that you're doing all stuff and now i have to like you know, now that we when we get off this, I have to go and bug you for all the secrets for all the stuff, so I can like you know put on on lamb goat and, and black and shit. Yep, and then, yep. And then and I'll I, comment. I'll comment under it. I'm like, yo, what wasn't me? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. Brock, news given us by Brock Foil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, man, yo, thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Good to see you.
So that was the track Beast from the Acacia Strain, basically the heaviest song of all time. I, I don't really think there's any disputing that. That, that. that shit is crazy. And that's from the record Wormwood, where DL was saying was his favorite record and my favorite record by that band. So huge thanks to DL for coming on the show. I don't know if you could heard those little like plinking pling. You know, he, he, he was enjoying himself a couple beverages during the adult beverages during the show you know he was having a good old time which i'm mad at you i am not mad at you but i hope you guys have enjoyed this episode if you would like to have your band sponsor an episode of the x-man please hit me up on social media or at the x-man podcast at gmail.com i have a couple bands who have sponsored some forthcoming episodes coming up so you know people are we didn't have any sponsors for a while now they're coming back and we love it we love showcasing new talent on the show i want all of you guys to have a happy happy new year and let's make sure 2018 is the best for all of us so far so thank you guys so much mamba out This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.